This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you, everyone, to joining the American Council of the Blind for the 11th Annual Global Accessibility Awareness Day. My name is Clark Rockfall, and I am the ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And for this, well, depending on how you're joining us today, this audio or video episode of the ACB Advocacy Update, I am joined by my co-host. Hi, everyone. This is Swatha Nandakumar from, or not, I am the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist for ACB. Thank you, Swatha, and and welcome. Um, Thank you to everyone who's joining us over uh, social media, as well as the Advocacy Update podcast. Uh, wherever you find your podcasts, whether that's the streaming live on the ACB Media Network or via your favorite podcast player. As always, you can learn more about the American Council of the Blind uh, by checking out acb.org. So Swatha, this is airing on Thursday, May 19th. Uh, which is Global Accessibility Awareness Day for 2022. Uh, Swatha, what is Global Accessibility Awareness Day? So it's a day to promote accessibility awareness, mostly in in digital digital space, but we're also broadening it to include um, just environmental access. So just a day day to promote accessibility and a day to um, raise awareness of this access needs of people with disabilities. Exactly. So Global Accessibility Awareness Day was begun 11 years ago. Uh, my, how much has changed since uh, 2011. I was about to say 202011, but that's not a real number. 2011. Um, and yes, it's the main purpose of... Uh, or as we call it, GAD, Global Accessibility Awareness Day, but GAD for short, um, is to is to promote and discuss and have greater awareness about uh, web and application-based accessibility because we know that there are still barriers that exist online. Um, and this is a, a point near and dear to the advocacy that ACB and our members do on a, on a daily basis. Uh, but we also know that Technology is pervasive and impacts all aspects of our lives. And as Swatha said, today uh, we want to talk about it more in the environmental access space uh, because more and more the, there is a, a connection between what we do in the real world and how that can be augmented or served by greater technology access. Uh, so Swatha, we're talking about a greater environmental access. What sort of access tools, tips and tricks, or O&M uh, skills and services do you use uh, to be able to find your way around? Is it navigation and wayfinding or ori- for orientation and mobility? Well, start off with the most essential tool being my, my white, white cane. 
So um, I value on a daily basis just to like orient, orient myself and know what's like, or what's around me. Um, I also have used navigation, navigation apps like Google Maps, Apple Maps, Soundscape. Um, yeah, I've also just used like a basic compass just to know, like, orient myself direction-wise. So say if I'm traveling north, north along Rayburn Avenue, which is like right, right, right outside our office or right or like um, north along 2nd Street in DC, like I would know that. Come to figure that out and figure out where I need to, like, to use that in relation in relation to where I am and to kind of orient myself to where I'm going. So how are you, Clark? Swatha, I'm so glad that you mentioned a compass. Um, <laughs> you know, back back when I had more vision than I do now, um, and growing up active in the outdoors or there's uh, Cub Scouts or at YMCA camp. Um, you know, I, I always enjoyed using a compass at that time. It was more for the novelty of it, but I'm right there with you, whether, whether I'm using uh, a commercial product like an Apple maps or a Google maps, and I've got turn by turn directions, or I'm coming out of a subway station or getting off of a bus. I want to know how to orient myself so they can have a better understanding of my surroundings. So I love using a compass as well. Um, so I can identify, you know, north, south, east, west, and have a, a better sense of, okay, am I, am I heading north, like you said, along Rayburn? Am I heading south? Uh, which direction is the sun? What time of day is it? And that just helps me build my mental map and have a better understanding of the directions that a, a navigation or wayfinding service uh, will, will be providing to me. Um, but also if I don't have that service, it, it helps me be better prepared to understand my environment. Um, you great. also mentioned a, a white cane. And certainly we have many folks in our organization and of our membership that use a white cane uh, for navigation, uh, but also for greater awareness um, so that individuals are able to identify that uh, this is somebody who's blind. Um, it, you know, this is somebody who is, is using a cane uh, to be able to, to find their way to navigate their environment, um, same as potentially using a, a guide dog, right? We've got plenty of folks who use guide dogs as well. Uh, and Swatha, you mentioned another one. You mentioned um, Soundscape. Uh, so we might as well just jump right in. What is Microsoft Soundscape? So um, when I've used it, I like, so my experience with Soundscape is, is, is limited compared to Clark, but it's like an app, it's an app that um, says audible cues to sort of orient you around the space, right Clark? Absolutely, so we, we talk about you know, the, the commercial off-the-shelf mapping services that have certainly increased uh, accessibility into their offerings, um, you know, such as an Apple map, the Google Maps, Waze, things like that, that offer turn-by-turn -turn directions. Um, but they don't always offer the most uh, complete information that somebody might be looking for. And that's where other navigation and wayfinding services, like a Microsoft Soundscape, uh, come in very handy. They help fill in those gaps by using uh, stereo 
sound. So if you have you know, two headphones, two earbuds, uh, or you know, bone conducting headphones, so you can keep your, your ears open uh, and receive information from the, the environment around you. Uh, this helps, again, helps you orient to know the direction of travel, what intersections you're approaching, and much, much more, as we're going to find out here just in a little bit. So, Swatha, we're joined by a guest today who has some expertise in this arena and joining us all the way from uh, Albany, New York. We have Russ Meyer, the executive director of the Capital Region Nordic Alliance. Russ, how are you doing today? Oh, very good, Clark. Uh, thank you for the very kind invitation. I uh, just want to let you know that Mr. Tom Pei uh, has joined us just recently. So uh, look forward to uh, having a very rich discussion with Tom as well. Um, CRNA is very, very uh, excited uh, to be offering its expertise in developing adaptive sports for the visually impaired uh, using the Microsoft Soundscape and providing those opportunities for individuals uh, not only here in the United States, but um, throughout the globe. Great. Um, so, what do you? So, can you describe what you do as the executive director of CRNA? Yes, uh, we are a Move United chapter, and we're uh, a member of a number of Paralympic organizations, and our sports are. Uh, our, our sports of focus are for those with both visual and mobility impairments in cross-country skiing, biathlon, snowshoeing, paraskeleton, and trail orienteering, which is both for those with vision as well as those with visual impairments. So uh, CRNA, as our uh, acronym is, um, tries to include and try to have as much accessibility for not only those with mobility impairments, but those with visual impairments in our adaptive sports. And Russ, how are you incorporating uh, accessible technology uh, to make these sports more inclusive? You know, you mentioned trail orienteering, Nordic cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, for example. Um, share with us how, how technology um, empowers you to provide these, these services and these offerings. Well, um, CRNA sports mostly are confined to trails, obviously, if you're skiing, snowshoeing, etc. And what we worked on with Microsoft Soundscape uh, a number of years ago when they were in Rochester, New York, at then Disabled Sports USA uh, National Leadership Conference, was to be as open and inclusive for the sports that we already offer to include those with visual impairments. So, uh, as I say, trail orienteering is a form of orienteering, which we've talked about a compass. Briefly, uh, orienteering is finding waypoints in an unfamiliar environment using a compass and a map. And as we had done this with the sighted, we were very, very excited and pleased to have uh, an association develop with Microsoft Soundscape to have the technology to include those with visual impairments. We've also done that with 
the sport of biathlon, which is cross-country skiing and rifle marksmanship to where we use guides and assistance to have those with visual impairments cross-country ski, but also use European technology for audio-based biathlon, which includes them in the marksmanship component of biathlon. So we try to look for vendors, technologies, products that can be as inclusive and accessible for those with visual impairments in our sports. And to date, with Microsoft Soundscape, with the flexibility that their product has for both personal routes, as well as the development of adaptive sports, uh, is very, very exciting and promising. That's great. And Russ, so as, a, as an avid Soundscape user myself, I know that I can hear audible information of what's around me. I can use their street preview feature. If I know that I'm going to be traveling to a new area, I can enter an address and then preview that environment and navigate uh, virtually, navigate around that environment. And I can also uh, create an audio beacon and either share it with somebody or navigate to that audio beacon myself. Um, but you mentioned recreational uses for Soundscape as well. So how are you using Soundscape to uh, either augment or enhance these services that you're providing uh, to include people who are blind and low vision? We have worked with Microsoft Soundscape Clark to create a type of authoring tool and mechanism to where our interest in forming such waypoint courses uh, can be transitioned into formal trail, both trail-based and terrain-based courses. Um, and we have been approached and uh, a number of recreation therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists that deal with social service agencies and municipalities uh, that monitor and manage public spaces. And the one thing that they noticed was that there was just a lack of that type of connection with the visually impaired population. So um, last year we started working with, for instance, Charlotte, North Carolina, Hornet's Nest Park, James Boyce Parks. They are both have both terrain and trail-based courses and are regularly used by individuals and organizations and teams uh, that want to experience and strive for the same mobility, independence, and empowerment uh, in recreation and sport uh, that the sighted population does. And we have run formal, structured, competitive events for those with visual impairments that have been extremely successful because their desires are no different than anyone else's to excel in sport, to be better in sport. And of course, the Olympic ideal is to, to be as masterful as you can in situations that exemplify the skills and the attributes that you've learned. So um, we're off to a very, very promising start with our trail-based. And as I say, CRNA works with the authoring tool, works with providing courses as well as training uh, with a number of agencies that are going very, very uh, well 
in having more of these accessible to the general public and in and in particular the visually impaired and so russ for example i know that you participated at the at acb of new york state convention last year um, in buffalo and you were able to demonstrate the uh, how the authoring tool could be used uh, granted albeit in a uh, a Buffalo uh, airport hotel parking lot, right? With with beautiful Buffalo, fall Buffalo weather, weather I might add. Uh, it was uh, above freezing, uh, but the rain was still coming in at 45, a 45 degree angle. Um, Correct. You were, able, you were able to demonstrate how you could set up these courses. So can you share with our folks uh, what the user would experience when they start one of these wayfinding courses um, that you all are able to create within Microsoft Soundscape? Well, what we do with the authoring tool and, and the technology that the engineering staff in Soundscape uh, has, has made tremendous advances in just the last year is to, with the use of Google Earth uh, and various maps all in one platform, we can select precise waypoints in which the person um, in starting the app will have specific tones that will guide them to that. What we also have the ability to do, Clark, is to add specific annotations. This app and for adaptive sport does not um, precisely tell you how to get there but we give you annotations that still involve the decision-making, the problem-solving to listen to the tones, the sounds, and specific annotations that will have you make the decisions on how best to go from one waypoint to uh, another in completing a course. We can have courses with two and three and four waypoints uh, for youth, for beginners. We have courses 15, 18, 20 points on trail and in terrain that can take um, the users through beautiful woods. The annotations will explain the beauty around them uh, and what they're hearing. Microsoft Soundscape, as you know, does permit ambient noise to integrate with its, uh, with its sounds and its programming. So, for instance, when we work with athletes that approach water, that cross bridges, uh, go around certain permanent man-made features. Um, the annotations can be very customized to the user as well as to the environment that they are, that they choose, that they uh, see themselves in. So um, working with the recreation therapist, working with an administrator, working with the actual users can create courses that are very uh, enjoyable, can be challenging and add to a rich, empowering, independent adventure. And Russ, one more question for you before we introduce our, before Swatha introduces our next guest. Uh, you mentioned the, the strides that has been made in the technology over the past year. So I'm curious, we said earlier that we're celebrating the 11th Global Accessibility Awareness Day how, what technologies could you have used previously to provide this level of support and engagement for 
participants who are blind and visually impaired in these sports and these activities? Well, as, as exciting and as fulfilling as we as a nonprofit feel that the Microsoft Soundscape does bring to a orienteering environment, CRNA has been very inclusive and proactive in, de- in talking with other vendors in the country uh, that provide different technologies. We're very open to, to sharing and including them as well as we do those with visual impairments. Uh, the various technologies that we've experienced uh, that, that we're very supportive of is the technology for the wristwatch that a company in New Jersey has uh, developed that provides tones when you actually deviate from the course. Uh, Obviously, Microsoft Soundscape has the preferable tone that takes you from waypoint to waypoint. Another uh, emerging technology is an insert into a sneaker or shoe that, again, gives you the type of vibrations and sensory input that keeps you on the course as well. So um, a number of things out there that, that can really, really promote a higher level of independent navigation that is safe and reliable. Uh, in, in our case, we incorporate a, another program, it's called Strava, that our counterparts in remote locations uh, upload and, and, and use Strava to get very hard GPS points that allow us to instantly upload and transition those to, into the authoring tool for courses. And it's, it, it's been very, very um, efficient and effective and ultimately safe way to build wonderful uh, level ability courses that help to promote better O&M skills, better awareness of the environment. We have many, many of our athletes and users, Clark, that Uh, say it's just a wonderful mindful exercise. It's Mm -hmm. mindful and it's centering to incorporate the Microsoft Soundscape into uh, their daily activities, not only for personal courses, but as I say, uh, groups that we get together that offer these wonderful adaptive sport experiences that have them right at the center of the event and competition, something that many of them are really looking forward to. And do very well with. That's great. Thanks, Russ. All right, Swapo. All right. So next up, we have um, Tom Pei from WeMap. Hi, Tom. How are you? You on mute? I think I'm unmuted now. Am I? There he is. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's great. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, I'm all the way from what was today a sunny London, uh, but now is um, late evening. <laughs> great. Um, so, Tom, can you tell us a little bit about your role at WeMap? And um, what WeMap is? I'm the uh, so I'm Tom Pei. I'm the founder uh, and CEO of uh, WeMap. The 
uh, what we is the world's most accurate indoor and outdoor navigation system. Um, it, it uh, when I founded Waymap, um, because I lost my sight, what I found was that I didn't actually lose freedom of movement, but I lost my freedom to explore. And I and uh, and I think I've really identified with with the last uh, speaker. Um, and this freedom to explore meant that the number of routes that I was able to memorize and use were quite restricted. Um, so what I wanted was to build something, a solution for blind people that meant two things. One, that it could operate to, uh, it could operate indoors and outdoors. The second thing was it would operate on your mobile phone. The third thing was that it would operate even if you lost all signals. So if you went into a black spot and you had no GPS, no uh, no data signal, uh, no Wi-Fi, anything, um, it would still work to um, to one meter accuracy and ten degree heading accuracy. Um, that it was available in many languages, um, uh, but that it um, so it became an app. It, it, it became it turned your phone into a very highly sophisticated and accurate navigation device, which happened to talk to you. And Tom, as we stated earlier, this is the 11th anniversary of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And you just touched on several technologies that have been used in navigation and wayfinding. Um, you know, just over, over the years, over the past 11 years, uh, but just big picture in your estimation, how has navigation and wayfinding technology evolved over the past 11 years? Well, the, the, the real answer is that um, wayfinding hasn't changed for thousands of years. Um, the, um, the Vikings used it um, uh, to um, navigate and plunder Europe and um, Columbus used it to, to discover America. So uh, in, in what, uh, what uh, pilots use it every day to um, land planes. What we've done is we've taken all that technology and using a, a fairly clever algorithm, we've put it into a mobile phone. And, but, in, but because of um, what blind people told us they needed, we've made it very, very accurate and very accessible. But <clears throat> it's <clears throat> it's all it's moved on um, in terms of um, how people get around from using Bluetooth. Uh, so the old way of doing it was using Bluetooth beacons, and you followed the Bluetooth beacons like a breadcrumb, um, which um, you know was was okay, um, you know, we started out doing it. Uh, we did a, 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 a sh the biggest shopping mall in Barcelona. We had to put 682 beacons into it to get five meter accuracy. Um, today, we don't put any, be any um, beacons into it. We get one meter accuracy. So it's, that's kind of how it's, it's come along. Yeah. Um, very cool. Um, so how has Waymap kind of improved or evolved since like you founded it or created it? We started off as an, as, as a, um, as an idea. Um, it, it was, it started out because uh, I was the chief executive of the Royal Society for Blind Children. 
and seven young people in the UK said that they wanted to get around London Underground like everyone else, because when they went on a date, they didn't want these strange, um, these stranger uh, sighted guides helping them to get around. It just wasn't cool. Um, mm. And I've done some research on it. So I, I said, I'll have a go, <laughs> um, fool as I was. But anyway, I put my hand up. Uh, we applied and we got a million dollar grant from Google.org. And with that, we went around and we experimented around the world from Sydney through New York, Los Angeles, London, Oslo, you name it, we were, we were there. And we asked blind people what they wanted to get around. Um, and from that, we developed the world's first standard on audio-based navigation for blind people. That's currently an American standard, so through the CTA. Um, and, uh, and we comply with that standard, which requires you to have up to two meter accuracy. And the reason for that is that if somebody tells me to turn left, because I'm I'm a white cane user, but if somebody tells me to turn left in two meters, I'm going to think or, two, or, or six feet or five feet, whatever, I would, I, I can visualize that, but I want to be able to um, make the turn and not hit the wall. So um, accuracy is uh, is vital in this thing. So we've um, so what we've we developed was something that would allow you to know we we know the direction you're facing. So you're talking about using a compass. Well, we grab the compass in your mobile phone, and we we take out the inaccuracies in it because it's it's uh, it's it's a cheap piece of kit. So it's it's. It's inaccurate. We take the inaccuracies out of it and we know the, the direction you're facing to within 10 degrees. Um, and we know with a 99.9999% certainty where you're going to be when you take your next step. So Tom, talk to us a little bit more about the, the technology that makes Waymap possible and that allows you to be so accurate with Waymap. You know, you, you've touched on Bluetooth beacons and how it took so many Bluetooth beacons just to get to five meters of accuracy. You've touched on uh, GPS, which is, is helpful for extra data points in an outdoor environment, but how well does GPS work in the London underground or other subway and metro stations around the world? The answer is it doesn't. Um, so um, GPS does not work indoors. Um, it, it can in, under extraordinary circumstances, but it's very inaccurate. Um, GPS is, um, you know, if you're in a wide open field, um, then GPS is great. If you're in a built up area, then GPS signals are bouncing off walls and it, um, it can be it can vary between five and 10 meter accuracy outdoors. It, it's, it's quite useful, don't, don't get me wrong, it's, it's very useful. Um, Bluetooth, um, on the other hand, like, um, like some other technologies, where it requires what we call line of sight. So whether you're looking for a photograph uh, to, um, <clears throat> to guide you, or you're looking for a uh, QR code to guide you, or you're looking for a Bluetooth beacon. They, they all depend on line of sight, um, and they all depend on many other factors. Bluetooth in particular, if they pass through a human being, becomes very 
uh, inaccurate because human beings are bags of water and um, Bluetooth doesn't like, like water. So um, <clears throat> also they're very costly to put in and they're even more costly to maintain because if one Bluetooth beacon uh, falls out, then indeed, you know, you missed a bit of your journey. <laughs> so, um, so they have to be working 100% of the time for the thing to be effective. So, um, so what, what, what needed to happen was, so our technology, just to, to tell you what it does, is that if you can imagine that um, you're standing here, yeah, you, you've just come out your front door, for instance, right? Um, Waymap is working. Waymap sprays out um, an imaginary, it, uh, what we call 5,000 blue dots. And it does that every second. Now the blue dots are probabilities of where you might be when you take the next step. Um, we know the, uh, because we've you've onboarded, we know the length of your step and we know the speed at which you walk. So um, it, it, can, it now starts to eliminate dots that go outside of that parameter and it said adds a higher probability rating to the dots that are closer to meeting the um, the parameters of you taking a step that is of a certain length and at a certain pace. It measures the energy that you are um, that that you are dispensing, uh, so that it 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 understands if you've had to change your uh, your pace for some reason. Uh, so all of the time these blue dots have been given a probability rating and that probability rating is compounded in, by using a mathematical system called Bayesian statistical uh, method. So if, if anybody wants to look it up, um, please do. Um, and, um, and it gives you an answer, which is 99.9999% accurate. Now, clearly, um, as you move along, um, you know, those 0.0001%, um, they, they accumulate in, in inaccuracy. So you get what we call drift. Uh, we've then introduced a system called mat map matching. So when it says turn left, when you turn left, we zero out any errors that might have been in the system. So that means that um, every time you take an action, or you pass a, um, a point of interest, then um, it, the error is zeroed out. So it keeps you to within one meter. So the accuracy goes from 78 centimeters to uh, one meter 75. Um, with one meter accuracy about 78% of the time. So it's, um, it's pretty cool as a, as a piece of kit. And it was developed from technology that was used by Hans Blix to not find his weapons of mass destruction. Right? Um, so I guess what it is, is it is um, the world's most expensive pedometer. And, and just for um, it, 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 next year, it will be working in uh, wearable devices such as watches and, um, uh, and glasses. Hello. So go ahead, Swatha. Go ahead, no, you go ahead. Well, it, Tom, just ask a, um, the question a, a different way. What, what is it about current mobile technology that allows something like Waymap to work today? And uh, was this technology available 
you know, 10, 11 years ago? Um, the, the answer is no, it's probably the technology has been built into the mobile phones for about five years. Um, when they, um, the sensors in the phone. So the sensors that we are using are the accelerometer, the um, gyroscope, um, the um, compass, um, and the barometer. Um, now, the, um, the first three are for using, for calculating speed and distance. And the last one is for calculating height. So um, if you take your mobile phone and you lift it off your desk, there will be a minute change in atmospheric pressure, uh, which would be detected by the barometer in your phone. We use that to know if you're going up or down. Um, and we, so um, in other words, we, we, can, we use that to know which floor you're going to get off and so on. Yeah. So was that technology available? Yeah, it's been available for about five years, but uh, we're the first company in the world to, um, to grab it and use it specifically for indoor and outdoor navigation um, and specifically adopted for blind people and, and, and soon to be, and also by the way, it's, it's, it can be used for wheelchairs um uh, by using a pod but um <clears throat> and next year it will also be available for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities great well um so part of gad is or awareness day is awareness um so how do you think this or how do you think awareness plays a role in um a role in WayMap or in getting um, more blind people independent outside? Okay. Well, today is Global Awareness Day um, when this is being broadcast. And I'm pleased to announce that um, today we are announcing that our app is going to be rolled out across the entire uh, WMATA, um transportation system. In other words, for, across the uh, the Washington's tri-state tri area, um, uh, integrating bus and rail um, and um, and street level uh, navigation for blind people, it's going to take us until next March to complete the job. At that stage, um, uh, WayMap will be available to every blind person free of charge. Well, to every person free of charge. Um, in Washington, and we're also hoping to roll it out in other cities across the United States next year. So, Tom, that is the uh, Washington, D.C. Metro Area Transit Authority. Every, every metro subway train line, um, every train station, does that include bus stops as well? Yes. There's, a, there's 11, I didn't know, but there are nearly 11,000 bus stops in, in the Wamata area. And um, so all of those bus stops will be, um, will be networked together. We will be, um, uh, we, we, we have access to the Wamata transit inform, passenger information. So we will know the, the, um, the next bus to arrive at the stop. 
um, we will know the stop that you get off at and um, where you need to go. Um, we, for, for instance, we will know if the um, as the up escalator at Braddock Road is out, um, as it is at the moment. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so we can inform people that they in and make the routing through the uh, elevator. So yeah, it's 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 brilliant. Um, but uh, the other thing that I just want to point out, which is really cool, and uh, you know, and I really loved um, uh, what the last speaker's doing with Sandscape, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, how this might work. Is that we can um, we can identify waypoints, <clears throat> and we can navigate to waypoints, um, and um, um, we can navigate to waypoints within one meter. Um, and we can we can do that by giving instructions or by giving clues or by you know because you can the words that are spoken uh, like turn left doesn't it can be you, you can uh, change it into um, into different type of um, of instruction um, <clears throat> so you know again there could be um, use cases for this beyond the um, just exploring, say, museums or shopping, shopping malls and stores and, and so on. You know, there, there could be recreational uses for this that we haven't thought about. Wow. Swatha, what would it mean to you to have a, a service like Waymap available on all of the, the metro buses and trains here in the Washington, D.C. area? I would really like that. Um, I cannot tell you times I've gotten lost on a, on a metro stop or trying to find a bus stop. So I think it'd be great to like have more accurate directions as to where I'm going or like have um, more like, accurate a map or like an accurate map of like where I need to go, which, which stop I need to get off at, which um, bus I need to take. So that'd be, that'd be great, that'd be awesome. And so oh, the, the other thing that it can do, by the way, is if that people like Uber and Lyft take it, the, the, the uh, cars will actually pull up one meter from you rather than 10 meters and across the road. Well, now you're just taking all the fun out of it. <laughs> well, you don't get to yell at the driver, do you? They complain to you, Uber, when they charge you the $25 cancellation fee or whatever. So. Oh, my. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, so, and uh, Russ, a similar question to you that, that Swatha posed to Tom. You know, we're here talking about Global Accessibility Awareness Day and the, the importance for greater awareness of accessibility, the importance of accessibility, and also the availability of accessible technologies. So, why is Global Accessibility Awareness Day uh, important to CNRA? Uh, CRNA, there we go, and uh, the the services and the recreational uh, outlets that you all are providing. Well, it's particularly important, Clark, because as an adaptive sport organization, working with the International Blind Sport Federation, International Orienteering Federation, these are organizations that are looking for the types of technologies that can that it can that can increase the number and the diversity 
and the ability of sports to hold the globe all over the globe for those with visual impairments. And what we're finding is as more countries have access to, in, in this case, Soundscape, we have the ability right there to establish the types of communities for outdoor recreation, anywhere from absolute beginners to those that we all hope uh, in the adaptive sport movements, such as Move United and USOPC here in the United States and the International Blind Sports Federation, uh, to again, avail opportunities of recreation and competitive sport uh, to those with visual impairments, what is rapidly becoming throughout the world. And it is something that has been sorely lacking, something that all these organizations have been looking for. What exactly can be constructed to provide that access? And we are one, and it's, it's wonderful to hear Tom and, and his achievements and strides. And um, it, the, the, just the volume of those people with visual impairments to get out and to independently move, motor, run, compete, win, lose, and everything in between, uh, just like everyone else, uh, is, is just so very, very exciting. And I think the time has come, and this type of uh, accessibility and uh, global awareness with this upcoming day uh, will just, just continue that momentum. That's great. Uh, and certainly having access to uh, these accessible tools and technology, uh, creating greater awareness uh, in the general public, but also among our own members and community on what's available and out there to them and for them to use certainly helps uh, our folks get up and get moving. Um, helps folks be in control as well as more integrated uh, as members of their community, uh, whether that, that'll be Swatha and me using uh, Waymap to navigate the labyrinth of the DC Metro system uh, for purposes of work, going to Capitol Hill, uh, for purposes of entertainment, going to museums, theaters, and shows, uh, or using services like uh, Microsoft Soundscape and recreational courses set up by the Capital Region, Region Nordic Alliance um, so that we can get up and get moving on the outdoors, so that we can have fun, explore, compete. And I like how you phrased it, Russ, uh, experience winning and also losing <laughs> because that is that is an integral part of personal growth and exploration. Uh, we can always focus on the winning as the fun part, but many times we learn more uh, from those uh, challenging defeats that lead to greater personal growth and enhancement. A absolutely. We have people that'll do one or two recreational terrain or trail courses. And when they come in and we tell them their time and they've got their bib on, their very next sentence is, I'd like to go out again because I know I can do it better. I know I can do it faster. I know I can just shave off those types of times that bring more efficiency and more reward to them. And the next thing we do is uh, have them reset the program and get back in line. 
That's great. And Russ, where can folks go if they want to learn more about the the work that you all are doing um, with Microsoft Soundscape? Well, we ourselves do have uh, a website. We have a collaborative uh, uh, position with Microsoft Soundscape. And most certainly, um, my information is on uh, our website and various documents that uh, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about. Um, uh, about starting programs. As I said, we just came back from the Move United um, education conference and many, many people um, looked us up and have contacted us, which has been very rewarding to look at embarking on new areas of the country. Right now we're in Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and New York. And uh, as I said, we're readily accessible on the the um, internet through our website that we'd be happy to uh, touch base with them upon any inquiry. And that website is, it's all spelled out, capitalregionnordicalliance.org. Correct. And Tom, uh, wow, I'm, I'm still blown away by that big announcement that you made that the, the entire DC Metro train and bus system uh, will be made available and mapped uh, using Waymap. Um, if folks want to learn more about the work you're doing with Waymap, what should they do? Well, um, first of all, can I just simply say thank you to the uh, to you guys, the uh, ACB, because uh, you've been in from the beginning of the idea of Waymap. Um, you've um, you've helped with the development of the standards. Um, and indeed, you've provided volunteers to uh, to test it out at the early stages in, in D.C. So if you want to learn more, um, please um, uh, go to www.waymapnav.com. That's W-A-Y-M-A-P-N-A-V.com. And, and Tom, you already uh, dropped a bombshell on us with that with that mm -hmm. announcement. Any other upcoming news or things for folks to look forward to regarding the, the work of Waymap? Well, you just watch this space. There is a lot going to happen um, very, very quickly. Um, but we're very, we'd be very happy to come back and share that with you as soon as we can. Awesome. How about you, Russ? Anything you want to share with that, the, the, anything else you want to share? Uh, upcoming events for us is some international demonstrations with our partners in the country of Sweden who have been doing uh, three-dimensional maps and correlating them to Microsoft Soundscape Trello maps throughout Sweden. And we have the World Trail Orienteering Championships coming up in Poland. And we uh, are working to present courses with them uh, to the local organizing committee as well as the International Orienteering Federation Trello Commission to get this one step closer to being a summer Paralympic sport. Fantastic. Awesome. Wow. You know, and in a couple of years, I imagine we could have both of you back and having a conversation about how your technologies are not being used in you know, the real outside world, but how these 3D maps and these uh, accurate wayfinding technologies are being used in the virtual environment as well. 
Totally. I, I hope it's before a couple of years, right, Tom? Absolutely. I mean, the, um, the, the level of um, development is huge. Um, in a, uh, we are working with Verizon on putting our, um, our technology onto 5G. Um, and boy, when that happens, um, that makes a huge difference to everybody. Well, and when that happens, uh, be sure to come back and share it with us. Totally. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, Russ and Tom, thank you so much for your time here. Thank you for helping us celebrate Global Accessibility Awareness Day uh, and sharing the, the accessible technologies that you all are using to enhance uh, the, the environment around us, but also increasing awareness of how these technologies can help folks get up and get moving and be more active and integrated in their lo local communities. Swatha, any final thoughts from you? I just really enjoyed hearing hearing about both these apps, and I'm excited about the Waymap Waymap being being a being expanded to the, to the Omada area. So just glad, and happy, it's great vision. So yeah, that's that's so cool and so exciting, and something that uh, will certainly, I think, other jurisdictions will take notice of as well, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If if DC can get this done, or if WMATA can get this done across Maryland, DC, and Virginia, I mean, imagine the other jurisdictions that can can follow that lead and hopefully have an easier time implementing these accessible technologies. Yeah, absolutely. make traveling traveling to like bigger cities a lot more, uh, easier. So, absolutely. So again, we want to thank everyone for joining us to celebrate the 11th Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Um, happy GAD, everyone. And happy again, GAD. big thank you happy to, GAD. to yes, Russ Meyer, GAD. to Tom Pei. Happy GAD all around. And as always, keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.